blessing. Dear Lord God, we're grateful. Always, we'd ask that you would keep us bringing things before you for which we are very grateful you have provided to us, both in life and in circumstance, in the grace of your Son. Thank you again. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. We are in, obviously... Deuteronomy 6. Now, you always ask yourself, how do you, how do you, I think pastors are supposed to tell a joke initially. It gets the audience on their, you know, oh, hey, let's listen to this guy. I don't have a joke about Deuteronomy 6. But I do have grandchildren. Um, If you took my class in ninth grade at Logos School, and some of you did, you may remember the Babylonian creation epic. Do you remember the name of it? Man, Tara. She was awful. She was just awful in class. The Enuma Elis. And the reason it's called the Enuma Elis is not because that's some dark and arcane remark, because the first words of the Enuma Elis are, Wet on high, and just begins the narrative of the creation epic for the Babylonians, and that's what Enumalus is. It's uh, went on high. That was my joke. No, actually, hero Israel is this is called the Shema, which means here, and that's what the Hebrews would refer to this passage as, and they would recite this passage over and over because it tells you in the passage to recite it over and over. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay? Pretty widespread. It's uh, landing on you with both feet. It's saying, Yahweh is one Yahweh. That's what the, the Lord is Yahweh. Our God is one Yahweh. You should be, you might say, the economy of all rule is best served when few rule many. And it's ideally served, most economical, when one rules many. And God, one God, not a pantheon, not a polytheism, one God, to which we grant everything, your heart, your soul, your might, that's everything in you, 
I uh, what uh, I like what Roy read read this morning, and that that you 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 should be conscious of what you think about what you do and the way you do it. Inside you is your primary obligation to present yourself approved. Stand before the judgment seat of Christ for you, not for me, not for the rest of the people in the room, not for the awful culture that's going on in other places. For you. Because you have a heart, a soul, and a might. Everything about you, however you want, whatever those categories are meaning to you, and we could differ about those. Some people think heart is emotion. I would say heart is the centerpiece, which is at the very center of your being. Your soul, what is your... Have you ever been in a discussion two beers in and somebody brings up, what's a soul? You suddenly realize that this isn't easy material. But you have some vague notion, right? You think you have one, right? You're a Christian, so you had some sinful soul that got saved out of its sinfulness and is now a redeemed soul, whatever the soul is. But with all your soul. What I want to stress is not what heart, soul, and might might mean. You can work on that in your free time with your friends. What we're stressing this morning is with all your, all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Because that's the problem, kind of. It's not that we have some hor horrifying misapprehension of what a soul is. Whatever you think it is, you're probably not far off. Whatever you think the heart is, you're probably not that far off. And same with might. But it's the, the Shema is laying out a degree of What's the right word? Obsession. The people of God are being asked to have. Everything you are. And then it tells you not only should you kind of be mentally obsessing about it, internally obsessing, heart, soul, might, but practically, operationally, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Oh, you mean you know, enroll them in a classical Christian education? No. You shall teach the things of God. The Lord, Yahweh, your God, is one Yahweh, and he has expected your love in every aspect of you to then everything he has said to you, you have Pick it up, picked it up, and education, children are our future, from what I hear. What kind of future are you making for us? Are you teaching them? And, and not, you know I'm not a big fan of the Pharisees. I, I don't want you to catechize these awful little pieces of work. I want you to teach them what God, your God, is really like, because you would think, Catechisms are for people who have not in their heart, in their soul, in all their might, 
encountered the living God, they had to go get a cheat sheet, some cliff notes from the church to tell them what to think. The Lord your God is one God, one Yahweh. If it's everything to you, you're going to be talking to your kid differently than the person who got the simple, you know, small little card you fill out and you look at it and say, kid, memorize this. That's not diligently teaching them. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. It means you, that when you're really tempted to talk about the election result, really tempted. And all of you at some point have visited my house and been really tempted to talk about COVID because for a year we haven't talked about anything but COVID or Donald Trump, whichever your position is on all of those. I voted, I probably got COVID. That's, I'm up to speed with the rest of the society. Well, let's talk about something else. The Lord says, you know, why are we talking about COVID and Donald Trump? Well, because the world told us that was the biggest thing on your mind and in your, on your plate right now. And the Shema says, no, 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 no. All your heart, all your soul, all your might. Listen to your God. Pass on what your God has taught to you, to your children. And, you know, other than your children, people who come over. When you sit in your house and when you walk on your way. Now, modern society is more complicated than ancient society. You could probably put driving someplace. They didn't have cars. So when you sat in your house or you walked on the way, those are your two categories. You're moving or you're not moving. Flying to St. Louis. When you're flying to St. Louis. When you lie down. When you get up, you get the impression he's trying to, just like he did with heart, soul, might, he was trying to give you an idea that the sum of everything you are. I was uh, raised by a great godly man, and um, my mom and my dad were in, the, in Christian work, but not like other people. You know, a lot of other people are very devoted to the faith in Christian work, the same way my folks were, which was when they woke up in the morning, they thought of themselves as Christians. They didn't think of themselves as Jim Wilson or Bessie Wilson. They thought of themselves as Christians from every moment of consciousness was only considered in terms of the kingdom, not in terms of what it would do for the evangelization of the lost, but living and breathing the heir of the kingdom of God, so that when he played frisbee with us in the yard, it wasn't because, well, this will help win them to Jesus. It was to receive the good gift that God has given us all, of all things are made to be received with thanksgiving. But it was in terms of his Christianity. It wasn't in terms of a separate category called Jim Wilson, to which he had appended Christianity. He was Christian Jim Wilson. As a lot of what we've done in um, 
both in marriage seminars and child-rearing seminars, is I spent a lot of time thinking about what my father did and trying to, my father's not a big fan of yeah, Doug or myself thinking about things, because we always got into trouble, but uh, we kept doing it. And you, you, you try to analyze your parents when they did it right. You know, what, what's different about their Christianity? I've told you before that my parents' Christianity had nothing to do with the church we attended. Nothing. Your Christianity should have really nothing to do with All Souls Christian. Glad you're here, but really, your walk is your heart before the living God, your Yahweh, is one Yahweh, and you, all your heart, all your soul, all your might, your conversation. It should be, as Larry Lucas used to say, it should fill your windshield. You shall write them, or they shall be as frontlets. They shall bind them as a sign upon your hand. Your act and, and what's the apprehension is in terms of this Christianity of yours. Not a special excuse that you give yourself for certain sins where you have to carve out a particular part of your being which is still you, Lord of your life, rather than Jesus Christ, Lord of your life. An awful lot of us do that. And until you start living in Christ, about Christ all the time, and it's not because I'm trying to get you to devote yourself to full-time Christian work because I think that's not right to do. I want you to be a full-time Christian, which is pretty much everything in life. Drinking good coffee. What do they do here on Sunday nights? You guys dance? Some pagan dance thing goes on here. Well, God gave us dancing. And uh, God gave us coffee. And God gave us rock and roll. And God gave us internal combustion engines. None of this Tesla nonsense. The future does not belong to the slaves, okay? Um, God gave us all good things, and he has a way of looking at it in his world that he wants you to look at it as he looks at it because he is your win filling your windshield. It's not because I'm going to think about spiritual things. I'm going to think about everything because everything is spiritual in terms of my God's handling of it. There are people you know, you've heard this, so bind them as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. There are some amongst the Jews, people who do exactly, exactly that. Put little scriptures on a box, put it in a box, tie the box to their forehead. It's very charming. It's very stupid. It's very ancient, still stupid. That's not what it means. You know that's not what it means. This is the center of your apprehension. What are you looking at? What are you doing? The center of your act. And it should identify you. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I was driving looking for an address the other day, and what was I looking for? I was looking for a certain number on a certain door. And thankfully, they were in numeric order. Well, this address on East D Street, well, okay, what do, I, what do I have to do? What does it tell me? The thing I'm looking for is at that place. We put the little notes on the 
envelopes that you give to the postal service and they grab that and they put it on a plane and they take it to the place and they look along the street for what was written on the doorposts. Who you are. You're identified. Now, just like I said, it was stupid to tie the actual law to your forehead. There is a place, a dark place. They have one in, two in Spokane. What do you think it is? It's Hobby Lobby. There are some, you know, I've been to Hobby Lobby, I've been to Walmart. In Hobby Lobby, there is probably an aisle devoted to this, fulfilling this, where you as a Christian woman can get the cut out of metal sign that puts the shema on your curb, on your doorposts. Let's not be those people. It's not good decorating, and it's not what this means. How do people identify you? Do they think of you automatically as a, uh, a Christian? And, you know, I don't know any Christians, but I know so-and-so. He's a Christian. I think he's probably a pretty real Christian. Is that what they think? I mean, you've, you, you've had your rule of action, your rule of uh, sight. It occupies you down to your being, down to your ultimate, whatever your categories are. You've got nothing set aside. All of your efforts and being in life are consumed with this Yahweh of yours. And when the Lord, your God, brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and goodly cities, which you did not build, and houses full of all good things, which you did not fill, and cisterns hewn out, which you did not hew, and vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then, then take heed lest you forget the Lord. Because what happens to us, we're also being lessened by our circumstance. Just like you're supposed to be walking up, putting your Christian pants on in the morning, and getting out and speaking in a Christian way to your spouse, and speaking of Christ to your friends, and be studying this world you have in God. The world is out there walking through all kinds of unmanaged signals, And it will fill you with signals, and it will lie to you. You will think that somehow when your mind suggests to you that why can't I have this part to me? What, 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 what is wrong with my being self-actualized and, and having my own special affirmation, living in life a certain way? You don't, all of this, once you realize all of this is the Lord's, there isn't a separate world called the material world. This is all the spiritual world. He is dominant. He is Lord of all. I think a map went around after the election. You know, how many states, where is Jesus Lord? And the whole map was green. All the states, Jesus is Lord. Nothing changed. We believe lies about the world we live in. They got into Canaan, 
God gave them a fully intact civilization. It was like a neutron bomb had been dropped, killed all the people, all the stuff was still standing. The vineyards, the cisterns, the houses, the fields. And after a while, it just seems like, well, of course, this is just automatic. This is, isn't this what everybody gets? The rain falls on you and the plants grow and the sun comes up in the morning and of course, it's got to because of physics. No, because of God. You can start lying to yourself that the world of God shouldn't occupy you and you will lie to yourself about the pose you want to take in it because really everybody doesn't want to find God. Finding God at the level that God is claiming everything about your life, that means he thinks he is everything about your life. He is either right or he's wrong. If he's right and you don't think so or act so, you're going to get it yourself in some difficulties. Take heed lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and swear by his name. This is the warning. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the peoples who are round about you. So just, just I don't want to foul my own nest, as, as it says. I'm a pastor. I'd like to say, a good, nice bunch of people here. I don't know, maybe 50, 60 people. Good to see. Some Sundays, not that good. Pastors are always hungry for souls. But some people think the path to heart, soul, might, conversation is the church. It isn't. It's you. If you will not speak of your God, we're not going to speak of him for you so you can be around people who talk in God terms so that you can get your faith built up by your just the atmosphere, the osmotic collection of religious talk. You can't depend on other people being godly so that you can be godly. But people do. People come to church to have the shared belief make up for what you don't have in your belief. Fix what you don't have in your belief. Have the church be something that is a shared point of strong belief. You know why? Because if you stop and depend, and people say, well, you know, it really shows I'm part of community. And if anyone wants to use the term community, I'm coming over this pulpit. I'm going to punch you in the face. This is not community. This is a community. Language. People think that all of that is, you know, we share that load. No. Come to faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in him totally from your heart to your soul to your might to your conversation to your action to your, you know, child rearing, everything about your God. Because if you think it's going to be given to you by people you're standing next to, about them speaking about it to you, the world is speaking about it to you. Do not go after other gods of the gods of the people who are round about you. You're living in this world. You're living with the godless. They're always talking the nonsense that they want you to believe. And if you are geared not to think for yourself 
about your God, you might be lucky to be in a strong church that is kind of cultish or something and driving you to hold certain things, and it might protect you. You might be protected by the church, but you're the kind of person, once that church goes away or you move to St. Louis and you can't find that quality of thing, that the world is going to keep talking to you. The, nation, the gods of the nations round about you, they're doing the same thing. They're passing their faith on to you. For the Lord your God is in the midst of you. In the midst of you is a jealous God. Just add that to the... It's not just piety. We're not just going, okay, seek God, look at God, be about God all the time, everything, get up in the morning, talk about it all the time. That's, the, that's sort of the positive picture, right? When you say Jesus fills your windshield, you go, yeah, that should be the way it is. But God adds, or I'll smack you. He's a jealous God. He doesn't take well to things he made running off down the street to an alley uh, chapel devoted to Apollo or devoted to whatever is the current thing to worship in this world. He's a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Amen. He destroy you off the face of the earth. Amen. Do you understand that the rule of this most economic source of power, the God, the one God, Yahweh, the power of all governments is the power to reward and the power to punish. And God, the ultimate, has all the power to reward. And if I think of him and meditate on him, I've got this blessing. But also, he will kick me down a flight of stairs. He's jealous. Because I'm not thinking about him because it's good for me. I'm thinking about him because he owns me. Now, I, I keep saying because I'm a modern you know, a post-Hellenistic philosophy in the West, instead of being Oriental, started going into a rational pursuit and changed the way things were done or thought about. And heart, soul, might, might, might do. We were having an argument last night in the library, which uh, we enjoyed. We were trying to define masculinity, and people came up with lists and words, and then we denied that word, and we denied this word, and we got all masculine about it. We know that we have different categories that develop. And what's amazing about this passage, <coughs> the Shema, it's one of the ones that Jesus quotes directly. Mark 12, 28, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He added a clause to the verse. 
Because in, just like I said about on, the, on your way in your house when you lie down, when you get up, when you walk, we didn't have much mobility. We could have all sorts of categories of circumstance, all kind of categories of life that now exist that didn't then. We're trying to communicate your God, Yahweh, is all. And since there was now a distinction between the Hebrew concept of heart, which carried understanding, and the Greek notion, they were thinking about understanding mindfulness separate. So Christ has no trouble rewriting the scripture, quoting it incorrectly, but to communicate the same thing. And we know that the audience, this guy who came up to him, the scribe, he says that you should, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which is there is no other commandment greater than these. Uh, by the way, that's your Lord. Told you that this sermon about this passage is the greatest thing that he could select out of the Old Testament in service to God. You love God with everything. You speak of it all the time. You center your life completely. You do not have another category called you. You are God's. Possessive, not you are God's. The scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. Verse 32, you have truly said that he is one and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. With all the understanding. In this case, it's not that he split up heart. He comes back and conflates soul and mind into one category called understanding. Do with that what you will. It's much to think about. Your God has got much to think about and talk about every time in your life, that everything should be measured by what you've come to learn about your God. I like it because, you, know, you like when, when the Lord says real positive things about people. He said a lot of negative things about some people. But it's like that Roman centurion, you know, no greater faith have I found in Israel. You like it when he says, yeah, I like that. Or when he says to Pilate, you know, you have no authority except which is given from you above, but therefore those who handed me over to you, they have the greater sin. And that made a big impression on Pilate. Try to release him. When Christ commends something, we ought to go, he is our God. He is Yahweh. And Jesus saw, verse 34, that he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. A little stamp of approval. Jesus recommends scribe, I don't know what his name was, Steve. Scribe Steve got the approval of Jesus Christ. I like your question. You liked my answer. You advocated for my answer. You saw it the same way. I like you. And you're doing what you ought to be doing to inherit eternal life. Sit down and try to define sometime what it is to be a human being. What it is to be you. 
and find out if you've devoted everything that you come up with about who you are. You don't have to match some other philosopher's list. Just match your list, everything about you. Have you shoved it across the table and said, yes, Lord, this is yours? I have on the side here, there's an ending point, John 17, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify thy son that the son may glorify thee, since thou hast given him power over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. We're moving away from the Shema in Deuteronomy, which is the announcement of Yahweh to the people as their God, their one God. And he's defining something more that Yahweh, the God, the true God, is to be known. Known in Christ, known in the Father, known in the Holy Spirit. This is eternal life, that we center our thoughts on this and all the things that are available to us in Christ. There's a lot of work to do, a lot of conversations to get in. That's why we, God gave us cigars, that we would spend all the time just talking about things. I think C.S. Lewis bemoaned the fact that he'd go on walks with his friends smoking, and they'd get into such a argument about whatever, they'd walk through wonderful countryside and never notice it. You know, just, just, there's your life, folks. Your God filling everything about you, not carrying some special category where you get to keep your own authority. You're still you, but you're, you're you on your knees. You're you on your knees before the God. Let's ask God to bless. Dear Lord, thank you very much. We'd ask that you would keep us as a company of believers, speaking of, thinking on, presenting each of our minds singly and severally before you to be improved, to be judged, to be a blessing. Keep us from other gods. In your son's name, amen. Okay, gentlemen, tables and chairs.